Film Podcast, a drink and an unplanned chat about film. In episode nine, we drink a bottle of beer and chat with actor Michael D. Douglas. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Two things today. It's um, St. David's Day. Yes. Diethel Dewey Happis, you see? We're having a Cronenberg. Yep. 1664. Mm-hmm. And it's your birthday tomorrow. It is, yeah. It's also National Beer Day somewhere. Today? Yeah, I think maybe in Amsterdam. Or it might have been yesterday. Anyway. There's a lot going on this week. A lot of... <laughs> lot going on. Uh, what are you doing for your birthday? Chippy tea. Mm-hmm. What's yeah. your order? Well, it differs, you see. Sometimes I like a sausage. You know that about me. Um, yeah. But usually it's a fish. Battered fish. Battered cod. Cod. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's usually it. Battered sausage I wouldn't have with my fish and chips. But I'd maybe have it, like, just as a one-off. Like, oh, I fancy a bad sausage. Yeah. Do you know what I don't like, though? The halloumi. Fried halloumi. Yeah, it's a bit soggy. <clears throat> it's not crispy, is it? No. no. And you don't go for salt. You don't go for a curry sauce or... Oh, well, sometimes I'll have a curry sauce. Yeah, yeah. I do like ketchup, but curry sauce as well. Sometimes. When I came to yours, we had massive spring rolls from we the did. city. Yeah, you're missing out living in Melton Mowbray because, yeah, they do them there. They're crispy as you like. And they also do Chinese curry sauce. See, people say this. What's the difference? Uh, made in China. Right. I think. <laughs> well, you've read a curry from the Chinese. Yeah. Mm, have I? Maybe not. I think I've had curry sauce. I don't know the difference between chip shop curry sauce and Chinese chip shop curry sauce. I can't tell you the difference, but there is a difference. But there is a difference. Yeah. That's all I need. What we need is a guest on who works at a chip shop, owns a chip shop. Mm. I'd be quite boring. I know someone who used to work in a chip shop. He knew everything. He came to a New Year's party one year and he was just telling everyone how about the chipper and how it oh, works. Yeah. And he's called Harvey. He's a good lad. But it's vital that that particular chip shop has a Chinese curry sauce. Of course, yeah. Because otherwise you'd have no idea. No. I could ring up mine, but that seems a lot. Yeah. What's the difference? <coughs> Tell me the difference. <coughs> yeah. Well, they'll, they'll tell me what I told you. One's Chinese and one's not. Yeah, made in China. Phone <laughs> yeah. down. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we've got Cronenberg. Classic lager. Thanks for supplying it. Glass bottle, usually in tin. So, it sounds it. like it's a problem. <laughs> no, it's not a problem. <laughs> Sophisticated, because mm. Cronenberg. What did we have last time? Caramel latte? We did. And the best caramel latte you've ever had. The, yeah, absolutely. Is this the best beer you've ever had? Best Cronenberg I've ever had, because right. it's in a glass bottle. <laughs> I've started this year, you know I love a list. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I've started listing... Beers? Beers. I want to have a list of my top 10 favourite beers of the year. Now, that doesn't just mean the beer itself. Like a Cronenberg, I've had many a Cronenberg, I wouldn't just put it on as a Cronenberg. But it's the whole thing, it's the experience. The so it's drinking the Cronenberg with you, recording a podcast, would probably make it on the list. Wow. What else have we got on that list? Uh, I can tell you, if you if you actually do want to know. I do, that's why I asked you. Great. I was just checking you out, like, keeping me sweet. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, so, I've got so many lists, Gareth. I know you have. So I'm just trying to find... The notes on your phone must be an absolute nightmare. It is. I tried to put them in folders, but then I couldn't stay on top of it. Um, yeah. We should have a list folder, surely. Yeah, but then they'd all be in <laughs> Oh yeah, that's true. They're pretty much all... Oh, here we go. Beers of 2023. So, at the minute, third. I've only got three on there. Okay. I don't put every beer on there. It's just the ones that are significant. And we're only in March the 1st. Third is New Year's Day. Australia at midnight. Nice. With friends. That's lovely. <laughs> lovely. Second, uh, I went to an Elton John night on Saturday. Yeah. And had a Bones Lager. We were outside. Yeah. First beer garden, beer, and it was cold. It was yeah. bloody freezing. But surrounded by mates, it was a good beer. And then number one at the minute is our post-cinema beer, when me, you, and Half Pint Louise, <laughs> uh, and we had a Madry. 
So with friends again. So <laughs> with friends again. Yeah. Yeah. I think if I got on there of like me on my own, it would be a little bit sad. Well, if that got on, like say number one beer of the year, but it might just hit the spot. You could be on a beach, sun setting, mm-hmm. your friends are all surfing in the waves. And I'm sat on my own. Yeah. Could that, be. That's the dream, isn't it? Yeah. So although at the minute this is going in fourth, which is bottom, it's not that it's bad. It's just that, you know, it's a Cronenberg, which is a beer I've it's had a long time. But it's going on, yeah. It's significant. So a Cronenberg... Oh, I'm in two of these. You are, yeah. I don't know what that says about my um, drinking habits. Mm. Recording episode nine of the Focus Film Podcast. There we go. Beautiful. There we go. So yeah, I sound a bit husky. I, um, I've been away. I've been away. It's been, a, it's been a busy month. And... Uh, while I was away, I got a sore throat. I'm going to sip my <coughs> And um, chest is on his ass. Obliterated. Yeah. But I've been in the desert. You've been in Vegas. That's Vegas, baby. Which, whenever you go on these trips with work, yeah, you watch a bunch of films. I think this is the second one we've done after you've been on a work trip and you've watched a bunch of films on the plane. Interestingly, I've got a list. Have you? I've, on Letterboxd. Do you know, I've been making a list as well. Of course you fucking have. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've got a list of, well, I tag, I tag on Letterboxd in-flight movies. It's a good way to use tags. That's exciting. I haven't got that sort of list. And yeah, they're all here for, Well, since I've been doing it. Wow. Not that many. No. Um, so I've watched this time... Well, I watched four on the way out. Well, what... Okay, so... Um, what was the first one on the, the Hangover? The Hangover, yeah, because you've got to. Yeah. And did it hit? Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Did you... I, I, yeah, I like The Hangover. I hate the second one. I, I can't remember it. it. I oh. can't remember it. It's not great. But the first one is just iconic. What a comedy. Mm. Then Pearl. Yeah. Which isn't out here. I'm so excited to see it. How come it was on the plane? Don't ask me. Who's just on there? I'd take my chances, mate. <laughs> this was illegal. But I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, right, I, got anyway. the cap- I got the captain over. I said, listen, mate, this is no, actually. What are you doing? You got a- something going on? He was like, oh, yeah, to be fair, you can't watch that. Yeah. yeah. But you did anyway. He had a bag full of DVDs with him. So, <laughs> what's that, mate? Sorry. What do you want, man? Ratatouille, like, written on a piece of white. Put it on the system now. <laughs> um, it was really just messed up, mate. Messed up. Messed up. It's good though. Like, Four stars you've given it. Yeah. It's a creeper. It's a slow burner, mm. but it is messed up. Samaritan. Yeah, I've seen that. Have you? Mm. We've sliced a, sliced yeah. alone. It's not that great, is it? No. It's, I mean, no, it's not. I'm and trying then, to find my review of it just to make sure. Oh, so my review is man is angry, man must punch wall. Man is angry, man must crunch toaster. Man is angry. Man must repeat history. Well, I've put, there's no way that kid's coat could have stayed on during that inferno. He had a coat <laughs> on the whole way through that burning building scene. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Absolutely no way. Yeah, bullshit. Um, and then the last one was to Leslie because she, uh, what's her name? Andrea Riseborough. Andrea Riseborough. Mm-hmm. Bit of a controversial yeah. way to, there was a bit of a campaign, wasn't there? Yeah, for her to be nominated for <coughs> supporting or lead actress. At the yeah, so I watched it. Bit of a dry film to watch on the plane, to be honest. Very slow. But is her performance, is it justified it's that she'd be nominated? It is good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. very troubled. Mm-hmm. That's the point. Gave it a three because mm. of, yeah, it wasn't that great. So it perks up a bit because you watch two four-star films. So you know when we're recording, my door does that. You just experienced it live, the door. Ghost? Open. I don't believe in ghosts, so that... No, me neither. Is the hand, does the handle... Is it released? I'm getting up. Yeah, I don't know what... You have to, like, click it into place. Are we locked in now? Is that nice? Oh. Uh, yeah, we're locked in. We're in for the long haul now. If you don't mind leaving out the window, that would be great. That's fine. I've got all my things. So, um... Ghost. Speaking of ghosts, I watched a film called We Have a Ghost on Netflix. Mm, I nearly put it on and I saw the reviews. Um, gave it a one. One star it. Yeah. Oh, it's drab. It's just, it, you know, sometimes you put a Netflix film on it, it looks, looks really fake. Yeah. It was like that. That's um, not good. Yeah, it was really disappointing. It was just silly as well, and it never really, 
nothing ever meant anything. It wasn't funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, don't know why. Anyway, planes. On your way back then? Well, on the way back, it was a late flight. So I'd only watched one. And it was, uh, don't worry, darling. Florence Pugh is the winner for me. She's great. She wins the life. The plane awards go to. So you got back on the 24th. Yeah. Watch Don't Worry Down on the plane. And then here on the 25th, there are not one, not two, not three, not four, but five films logged. The night. And they are wildly different. Yeah. Every single one completely different than the last. So my, my uh, darling fiance. Mm. She doesn't leave very much. <laughs> she was she wasn't in the house for the whole day. And what does a man do when he's on his own? <laughs> Usually something yourself? else. But I watch films <laughs> for the whole day because that's who I am. And yeah, very different. The, because, oh, oh, dropped you. There's a fruit pastel just behind your computer. There. Thanks, mate. Um, yeah. So one of them was for the thing I'm writing for the uh, let the newsletter I'm writing, developing, mm-hmm. which was Proud Valley with Paul Robeson, made in 1940 something or other. That was really good. And then I watched Creed two because Creed three is coming out. Oh, I watched Brian and Charles. Have you seen that yet? Mm-mm. Oh, so not yet. Much. You three starred it, and you said tempted to a four. Mm. Um, yeah, you'll love it. If you put here that there's not much to make a lasting impact. That was your reason for not giving it higher. Yeah, it was a bit of like uh, short and sweet. Mm. But I think you'll love it. It's got uh, Taika Waititi vibes. Love it. I I do love a simple low budget comedy. But Charles's voice is what makes it because it's very robotic, but he's saying very British dry things. Right, okay. Because Brian keeps making him stay indoors. And he's like, I'll just go sit here and rest then, shall I? And he just walks in. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's on Prime or Now TV now. It's on Now TV. (coughs) So I will get around to watching it. Uh, Team America, World Police. Do you know, I've never seen that. It's If you've never seen it, it's wild. Right. It's wild. Um, would you class yourself as a Gen Z? Mm, I always get them mixed up. Gen Z's... Quite sensitive. Would you class yourself as sensitive towards uh, things like South Park? No. Oh, then you'll love Team America, will police. There's uh, all sorts in there to keep you entertained. And I'm sort of the in-between. What are you? I'm millennial. Millennial, because I'm not. Because I'm 99. Old. So it doesn't it doesn't count as anything. No. So I'm just kind of in the middle. Mm. And anyway. that's that's fun. And then the independent, which is new on John style. Cena, right? John Cena. Love John Cena. But it's not that great a film. Nah. Forgettable. But it's tried his best. Is John Cena any good? Uh he's not in it that much. Oh, well, he's he's then? sort of the good guy. The good guy, sort of third in America there's two political parties and he's mm. the independent third person and it is right. There's something amiss. Okay. And that's all I'll say. Mm. It's all right. And it's got uh, Brian Cox in it, Annie Marsh. They're all, they all play the part. Mm-hmm. But I gave it two. But then I had just watched four other films. That's true. That you might part. have been a little bit. And a tired. massive Chinese takeaway. The best kind of takeaway, in my most humble opinion. So I've spurts of thinking I didn't wouldn't watch many films this month, but I made up for it on, with the four on the plane and the five on the way home. And I think I got to about 18, 19 films this month. Wow. Um, one that we both watched this month, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Yes. Talk to me. Oh. You gave it a five star. I, I could talk about this film for hours on end, and I wish that we spun our wheel and that's what it landed on, but we didn't. We got Megan. Uh, which was fun to talk about. Also. It was. Yeah, go and listen to it now. Yes. Mithrigan and The Truman Show. Um, how are you doing with getting that fruit pastel out? Difficulty. Mm. Anyway, anyway, Puss in Boots. Puss in Boots, we'll cut that bit out. It's dreamy. Uh, it's not dreamy, that's not the weather, man. It's funny. It's um, dreamy, it's really good. It's brilliant. It's one of the best animated films I've ever seen. Whoa. It lives up there, in my opinion, with Into the Spider-Verse, Klaus, The Mitchells Vest, and The Machines of 
well, like those top tier animations that are just a cut above the rest that have come out in the last sort of 10 years. Um, it's amazing. Every single part of it does its job. It's mature when it needs to be. Um, mm -hmm. It is laugh out loud funny. There's a character in it who I thought was going to be really irritating, the dog. When he first came on, I thought, just the look of him, the design of him, I thought he's going to be irritating, sidekick. But he's not. He's brilliant. He's right. so funny. Um, the villains are great. The music is incredible. The art style is stunning. I loved Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. That's very articulately put. It took me a while to get there. But you got there. But I got there. But you four-starred it. I four-starred it. I didn't find it as funny as you. Could you hear me laughing down the road? Um, I heard Sarah, my fiancé, laughing. <laughs> we all heard Sarah laughing. She was on the floor. Over nothing in particular. Mm. But she gets like that. She mm. finds something a little bit funny. But she loves cats mm. and animals. And you know the bit where he's at the bar mm. having the milk? Oh, So funny. So good. Um, but I appreciate... Looking at the trailer, I didn't think I'd enjoy it, mm -hmm. but it's it's going to surprise everyone. Well, it does has surprised yeah. everyone, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I just think it's just something so different mm -hmm. from anything that's ever been put out there before. And I always say, like, a film should be animated if it couldn't be done in the live action medium. Yeah, and there's no way this could have been done in live action medium, but it fights among some of the best films of the past few years I, I mean Puss in Boots is definitely it will be in my top 10 of the year I'm sure of it unless you know nine other five star films come out of nowhere yeah it was brilliant it's so good I've not seen as many new films this well, month as usual but then I say that but then I've got quite a few written now. we haven't been to cinema together this month apart from that that yeah. one so we haven't actually recorded any in action things no. this month well, uh, that's okay. Coming up in a bit, we've got a chat with Michael D. Douglas, who's uh, an mm. actor in short films, um, which is a really nice interview. But so we've got that to come. But you have watched Ant Man and the Wasp. I'm going to see it on Saturday. You're going to see it this Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And I've seen a lot of people give it quite low marks. Uh, yeah, I gave it a two. Um... And there's more talk than ever about Marvel fatigue. There is. Are you in that camp or not? Um, I think the difference is my view of Marvel has always been the individual films. That's always been what I've loved. And uh -huh. the end of phase three of Marvel, when you've got Ragnarok and Infinity War and Black Panther and Endgame all kind of coming together to create the end of that phase, I loved the way that they intertwined the stories and everything worked to come together in that. Yeah. As well as loving the individual films, most of them anyway. Um, now, I feel like uh, there's a lot more of the Marvel films that I'm coming out, like any other film that I'm coming out going, eh, two, which I wasn't doing at the end of phase three. That being said, there are films in every phase of Marvel, in my opinion, that aren't great. And there are films in every phase that are great. In phase four, even, people are slating the whole of phase four. I thought Multiverse of Madness was brilliant. I thought Wakanda Forever was great. I thought Shang-Chi was great. Eternals has grown on me massively. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home was brilliant. Uh, I think it's... like I didn't love Thor, Love and Thunder. I really didn't love Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, I didn't love Black Widow. So I think there's some that I've really enjoyed, some that I haven't. With Ant-Man specifically, it is my third least favourite Marvel film. Really? Um, <coughs> it's just... Ant-Man is so... As a as a concept, as a character, is stupid, like, as a character, and that was always <coughs> the point. But also, he's fun. Paul Rudd is fun as Ant-Man. The Ant-Man yeah. films are good fun. This isn't fun. Uh, it's just really quite serious and bland. And they go... Obviously, as the title suggests, they spend a lot of time in the quantum realm. And we don't know much about the quantum realm yet, apart from the fact it's massive and vast and dense. So when a character like Ant-Man, who relies so much on the scale of him, on how he scales up to items and buildings and people in the real world, put him in a world that we know nothing about. There's no sense of scale. Yeah. So the whole point of Ant-Man, like in the first one, he's 
like with the riding on the wasps or um or on the ant sorry and uh, or on the thomas tank engine track or in ant-man and the wasp there's the pez dispenser it's all about scale and even in Endgame and Infinity War, there's bits, uh, not Infinity War, it's not in that one, but in Endgame and Civil War, there's that sense of scale. Whereas in this, there's no sense of scale whatsoever. So Ant-Man as a character just fundamentally doesn't work in the film. Uh, Jonathan Majors as Kang is good and he's going to be great. And that's the thing to take from it. But the film, there's no character development in it at all. Well... I look forward to watching it then. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, mate, yeah. Well, you know. It's definitely it's definitely worth watching because Yeah. I won't I won't say much more. But there's some weird things in there, but it's not quite weird enough. Yeah. I wanted it to be weirder, okay. basically. Can we talk about Creed? Yes, let's let's because talk about Creed. You've watched Creed one for the first time. Yeah. I watched Creed two and Creed Three is coming out in a matter of days. Or it is, is it is out? No, it's a matter of days. <clears throat> so you put in your review, didn't expect to get as emotionally involved as I did. Rocky is more nostalgic to me than I realised. Talk to me. So Rocky, we had on DVD, maybe video, <clears throat> yeah. when we were growing up. My dad's a big fan of the Rocky films. Yeah. Uh, and I remember him showing us Rocky, me and my brother. And I remember us repeatedly watching Rocky. And enjoying it very much. And when there were certain bits in the first Creed that are callbacks in that legacy film style to things that happen in Rocky, I got a little bit tingly. Got a little bit, mm. a little bit of the feels. Um, like at the very end when they're climbing the steps at the in the first Creed, I was a bit like, oof. And I Thank just you. thought this is actually pure nostalgia that's making me feel this emotional. It's not the film because the film is great, but it's not what happens in that film that's made me emotional because I already knew about those characters. It's it's just pure nostalgia. And I think that's why I love Ghostbusters Afterlife, because it was operating on pure joy and nostalgia. Yeah. And I loved it so much for that reason. And Rocky did the same. But I think because it's a film that came out in the 70s, I didn't think of it as in... I didn't watch it when it came out. You don't often think about those films having nostalgia, but it massively did. <laughs> Is Creed two as good? Yeah, I well, maybe not like maybe a shade not as good. Mm-hmm. But the thing I like about the, the even the fact it's called Creed and not Rocky Creed. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That it doesn't even say some of these nostalgia films say might say Creed a Rocky Balboa story or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. So going in, it's got its own, it's got its own feel. So that's really clever mm-hmm. of them to have done that. Um, but I think they brought this uh, wave before a lot of these nostalgia films have come out. It's quite early on, isn't it? Definitely. 2015. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the second one plays on it still, but less on the Rocky side. He's there. Yeah. But in the first one, he's got that whole cancer story going on. He doesn't have that this time. Right, okay. Um, it's more about Creed building his own legacy and how Ro- Rocky fits into that. Sure. So in the third one, Rocky's not in it at all, which is exciting, I think. Yeah, it's kind of like they're saying, well, let's actually let this new generation... Yeah. I can't believe how much how s- strong these films are from a, a batch of films that have lasted since the 70s. Yeah. It's basically just a boxing story. Yeah. But it just, it's really good. Yeah, and it's one of the strongest franchises, but whenever you talk about the best franchises, you forget about Rocky. Yeah. You don't actually think about it, but even like Rocky Four, it got slated and gets... I think Rocky Four is one of my favourite ones. I think the the villain's really good in it. I, I, I really like that one. So, I don't think I've... I've not seen them all. I think there's a few... I don't I think I've seen the new Rocky. Rocky, Rocky Balboa, Balboa, wasn't yeah, it? Wasn't there a Rocky Five and then a Rocky Balboa? I don't think I've seen either of them. No. To be fair, I don't know if I've seen Rocky 2 and 3, but I just assume that I have. Surely you have. I think I must have. We need maybe to do a rewatch. Maybe, Stick yeah. them on the wall. Just, yeah. And then, uh, Cocaine Bear... Yes. I remember seeing this trailer and being hyped mm, to shit. Me too. <laughs> and hyped to shit. <coughs> I messaged you last night. How was it? It's a no-go. Yeah. It's, uh, I think because the trailer was so good and it just looked so batshit mental. Yeah. That it was always going to disappoint me. I went in with such high expectations of just loving it. And there were glimmers in there of like, that, that what I was looking for, like stupid, over the top, 
silliness. But by the end, it just becomes quite boring. And I was kind of like having to fight to stay awake, which I didn't want from this film. I wanted it to be mindless. I wanted it to be stupid, but I didn't want it to be boring. And, And the film that actually delivered on what I wanted from Cocaine Bear was Plain. Oh, yeah. Playing the Jared Butler one. It's not as good as Greenland, which was a genuinely brilliant film. Yeah. Like, good character I miss moments. Playing. I've been gutted this month because I've been busy. Yeah. But I've, all of these things, I'm like, oh, I wish I was there for that. Well, it's a month of sequels now. So, Is it? Yeah, you've got John Wick 4, you've got Creed 3, Shazam 2. I haven't seen John Wick 2 or 3 yet. Neither have I. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> I plan on. So, what are your top three from this month? In no particular order. That you've seen? I mean, I can give you... I mean, did we count The Whale, which I haven't seen this month, but came out this month? Or do you want a top three of everything, or just that's come out this month? What do you want from me? (laughs) You're so anal about lists. (laughs) There has to to be rules. Gareth, what are the rules, Gareth? (laughs) Do you want my top three that have come out... That you've watched this month? That I've watched this month, okay. And then chuck The Whale in there, fine. Can they be short films? No. Okay. So, in no particular order. Yeah. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Yeah. The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Uh, yeah. A Western from 1962. Oof. John Wayne. Absolutely fantastic. Wayne. And then, hmm, just having a look. Uh, then maybe my third one, maybe Creed. Maybe, but I did also watch Chicago. That was great. You've not seen it before? No, I really loved oh, that. Oh, wow. That was the first musical I'd seen. Wow. Your three are... My three are Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, and Creed. Okay. What about you? My three are, in no particular order, Puss in Boots. Then we'll go uh, Pearl. Mm. And finally, for the last place... I'm on the seat. I know. I'd probably go Creed 2. So if we were to pick one then to put on the, uh, the table of... Oh, hello, on the wall. Yeah, I guess there's only one because we picked one of the same one for both our lists, which is Puss Puss in Boots, Boots. The Last Wish. Yeah. So should we put it on the list? Yeah, let's put it on the wall. That's exciting. (coughs) Look at that. Look at you being spontaneous. Well, you know, I just like to bring things. We didn't record anything, so... Right, and now we're here together, I can show you that. Hello. We can see it. So... We're going top half or bottom half? Top half, surely. So I'll list off the top half, shall we? Um, in first place is The Truman Show, followed by The Dark Knight, Top Gun Maverick, Dune, The Muppets Christmas Carol, White Noise, The Banshees of Minas Sharon, Social Network, and maybe we'll stop at The Gladiator. Mm. Would you say it's higher or lower than The Gladiator? Higher. Higher than The Gladiator, he says. Social Network? Higher. Banshees? I would say higher. Okay. White Noise? Hmm. I think it's better than White Noise. I agree. This is this is a duel. Muppet Christmas Carol. Can I or, say something? I know the war's there, but I feel like Banshees and White Noise need to be swapped. That's fine. Because I think you care <clears throat> more about Banshees, and I still love it, than you do about White Noise. Yeah, I do. That's probably so, being nice to you. Yeah, that's what I mean. I, and I feel like it feels weird to me, Banshees being there. All right. It's a live swap. No one cares. Live swap. <laughs> uh, is it better than Muppet Christmas Carol? I'd say it's a better film than Muppet's Christmas Carol. But, uh, again, don't Would be Would you say it's better than June? No. So you put it above Christmas Carol, below June? Yeah, that's what I'd do, yeah. Let me think about this, Alice. I'm just going to stare at this for a second. <laughs> Let me put it here. Put it there. Go and on. then see see what you think that looks like. So Puss in Boots, The Last Wish from 2023, released in the US in 2022. Will it be in one, two, three, four, fifth place? Uh-huh. How does that look to you? It looks challenging. <laughs> <laughs> what did you give this? Is Muppets Chris Carol a five star to you? But I know there's problems with it. Mm. Whereas I'd give it a four star. Yeah. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, I'd give five, you'd give four. So they're on a joint score of nine. I couldn't tell you a problem with Puss in Boots. Alphabetically, that works anyway, because Puss in Boots is before LMN. 
Unless you don't count them. The, the, which most people yeah. don't. No. Uh, no, that's fine. We'll put it there. Okay. And I'll just ponder on it further. Yeah, okay. But I'm happy with that. Okay. So that's in fifth place. But, um, and Dune is above it, Top Gun Maverick, Dark Knight, and The Truman Show. That's a strong top five. It is a strong top five. I think over time, Puss in Boots might get knocked out of the top ten. Over eventually, you think you you know. I mean, the hope with this is it never stops. <coughs> it never stops. We're just you know, got a massive wall going on of, of stuff. But there we go. I enjoyed that. So we get into this interview then. Yeah. <coughs> so we had a bit of a technical issue. Uh, usually with these interviews, what we do is talk to the person about what they do, uh, their career and things, and then we talk about what they've watched this month. Um, we did last month with Carrie Hewitt, yep. the director. And this week, or this month, we're doing it with Michael D. Douglas. He's a, an actor. Um, and among other things, he does lots of lots of different things, which you hear in the interview. And he is in a couple of films, short films lately. The, the Stargazer, which you can find on YouTube, which is excellent. And then also Flying Caterpillar, which is not out yet, but it's doing the rounds on all the different... Um, the film places like Sundance and that sort of thing. Sure, festivals. festivals. That's the one, festivals. Um, so I talked to Michael a few days ago and it cut out just before we started talking about um, his film choice, but it's a good interview anyway. But enjoy this interview and we'll be back in a second. So I'm delighted to be joined by Michael D. Douglas. Hi, Michael. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing good. I'm good. It's a good start of the year. It's February, uh-huh. coming into March, so we're good, we're excited. Good, yeah, I've been seeing that um, you've got one of your short films on in Hollywood, is that today it's, it's been shown? Yeah, it was yesterday, so it was yesterday, yeah, which was very, very exciting and very, very out of the blue. Um, yeah, I got a text from my director and he was like, we've got passes, uh-huh. this is what's happening. And I was like, the Chinese theatre, and he was like, yeah, and I was like, the one like on Hollywood Boulevard, and he was like, yeah, and I was like, I, I, wow, that's amazing. So your face has been in the Chinese theatre. My face is now playing on the Chinese theatre. Was, was playing on the Chinese theatre, yeah, yeah. That's where they amazing. used to present the Oscars. That's where the Oscars used to be, which is yeah. mad. What an achievement, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, we'll get into that in a bit, that film. Um, but yeah. I just got some questions, and then we're going to go into some of the films you've been watching this week, because that's what Ooh. we do. Um, yes. But I just want to first start off with a bit about you. Mm. who you are, what you do, because um, I know you do short films and stuff, but in your own words, tell us what, what you do. Hello. Well, okay, so I'm a full-time actor. Um, I've full-time acting since 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, I graduated because this is everyone in London. The first question everyone asks you, where did you study? What did you do? Did you study? <laughs> this is the most irritating question ever yeah. because I think personally nowadays from when you ask, it doesn't always reflect your ability. And I think sometimes it's, a question where people are asking, how do I treat you? Oh, you're Rada. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you're this. Oh, okay. So I went to De Montfort University um, and I was at uh, the uh, base in Milton Mowbray and Brooks Milton College where I did performing arts with mm-hmm. the wonderful Gareth. Hey. <laughs> um, yes. And I left there and um, left there at that age, obviously, you was, I went to uni at 19 so mm-hmm. i skipped a year that went 19 um and you come out and it was 2012 so it's like um 22 ish and you come out like fresh eyed and bushy tail think you can do anything and i was determined to live that actor life and i was a bartender and i was bartending and doing extra work and the reason why i mention that is because i think basically to say that when it comes to acting there isn't one set way there's certain things you can do but there isn't one set way I was told multiple times while I was doing extra work that you wouldn't be taken seriously as an actor if you do extra work. So I had a plan of doing it for two years, two years of extra work. What I then got from extra work, I really was quite kind of taken back by people saying that you shouldn't do it because Mm -hmm. for me, it was work experience on set. I was next to Idris Elba while he was working. He was talking to the director, figuring out what he was going to do in the scenes. Jude Law, um, Jimon Honso, Samuel Jackson. These are like short films where I'm just crowd. I'm nobody. I'm crowd. But because I'm crowd, I'm next to the star and I'm in the star of the scene and I can see how they work. That's what I want to be. So I learned that. I learned the set. 
the set is the most confusing place in the world. There's so many people, so many things, so many different departments, so many things. So I learned that. I learned what the ADs do, what the producers do, everything. So then as that happened, I slowly then um, started to get more work myself. And this was just by um, networking and being out there. And I put myself in short films and put myself in uh, music videos and things. And then um, I got on the radar of agencies and then I got my agent and then I built my showreel and then kind of went into things. And it's, yeah, I guess it started short. It's always been short movies. I've always done short films. Um, and then uh, music videos and then commercials I got more of. And then it ended up being more um, short films to feature films, um, which has been really exciting because in the last two years I've been more prominent. I've had four films in the four, five, five films in film festivals. Um, and I've been able to pick up awards for three of those films, I believe. All of them got awards, but um, only three of them I got like best actor or whatever. So That's yeah, amazing. which was yeah, it was it was it's crazy. It's crazy because it's it, it's it's a new territory for me. I'm humbled by it, um, but I'm also kind of like I guess my anxiety kind of flares up, and it's like um, okay, so what's the next step? And it's like maybe just yeah. enjoy this step maybe just enjoy the step, you know? Yeah, it's hard, <laughs> it's hard to though, isn't it? When you're always looking forward. Exactly that, yeah. But yeah, I mean, with the way you talk about building yourself up as an actor is very much like you say, um, the people in the film industry, they start off as a runner and then they do, they it's but no one ever talks about that in the acting. So that's they really interesting. They don't, some, some people do, um, but I feel like it's part of their story when they do but some people they wouldn't talk about it because it's almost i feel like sometimes in the industry we still keep this whole kind of um flashbang talent there's this magic i, I always say our job is to make magic happen and no one really wants to know how magic works they just want to see it happen yeah um we're expected magic and that's the end product at the end of it but all the other stuff you got to do yourself you got to do the self-care yourself because no one else cares you got to do the other things to make sure that that can perform with it no one else cares you've got to do the research no one else cares uh, there's so many things that i learned as an actor of what the director gives you what the production gives you and what is expected of you by the production but then also further what's expected of you by yourself because you'll read it and go i can do this i can do that but then that means that requires this hmm. and that you, yeah uh, and then when you watch the films back i hear a lot of the actors say now that you watch a scene and go, oh, that was the day that I had a really bad day in the gym or, you know, oh, I wish I would, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and sometimes it's weird because as well, that's the other thing about the acting as well is um, you do everything, everything. And then they tell you you've got 14 takes hmm. and you go, in these 14 takes, I not only have to get it perfect and duplicate it 14 times, I need to give variety. Um, I need to give different ideas and i also need to make them good enough that no matter which one they use i'll be happy because there's been so many times i've watched the film and i'm like why did they use this take i know i did a better take exclusive mm -hmm. for you actually exclusive for you flying caterpillar mm -hmm. is one of them and i love this film the film is perfect the worst mm -hmm. thing is i fluffed a line and i said <laughs> i think it was um compadres instead of comadres mm -hmm. and they are two different <laughs> things <laughs> and they kept the compadres one in it and every time i watch that movie i just lose it at that one point and i'm just like everything oh, about this monologue was exactly what i wanted oh. it to be and this whole thing and then it's just that one line and i'm like Rawr. but luckily it's early in the monologue so by the end as i continue to ramble on i hopefully grab the audience back but every time yeah. i hear it i'm just like why did they go with this thing? Why? Why did they? Why <laughs> They're did gonna have to do a director's cut, aren't they? Have just <laughs> they really... have to. They have to. <laughs> um, so let's talk about that then. I was going to start with the other one, but let's talk about Flying Caterpillar because um, I it's not. I can't watch it yet, and I'm dying to watch it. But um, so it's <laughs> it's in Hollywood yesterday, and unfortunately, I wasn't yes. in Hollywood, so I couldn't go. <laughs> um, but talk to me about it. What, what's it all about? Yes, yeah, so Flying Caterpillar, it's very interesting because the first, so the title of it, um, with the director, he came to me and told me the, uh, the title and I hated it. I was just like, that doesn't make any sense. What is a Flying Caterpillar? I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. He then showed me what a Flying Caterpillar is. And a Flying Caterpillar is um, a concept, I think it's called ballooning, mm -hmm. where there are certain caterpillars that they 
believe they've already gone through their metamorphosis. Uh-huh. So they think they're a butterfly. So they think they have the ability and they will try and jump and mm. they will fall because they, they don't have wings. And when he explained that to me, and I saw the script because the script is about a father who is suffering from mental illnesses. I'm not going to say specifically which one, because you have to see, but he's suffering from mental illnesses. And unfortunately, this is um, causing an impact on his son. Right. And the worst thing about the mental illnesses, he isn't aware that that's happening. So the concept of somebody who thinks that they're something and then falls and realizes they're not that is the whole reflection of the dad. He thinks in his head that he is a father and everything's going well, but he has no idea that he's actually not a butterfly. He is a caterpillar and he doesn't have the skills yet. And he hasn't gone through the metamorphosis yet to have the skills. So he's trying to do something before the metamorphosis. And that's basically the film. This father is trying to father before actually addressing what's going on and actually doing the metamorphosis. That's interesting because yeah. the the Stargazer, which is the other film, mm. um, has similar sort of mental health themes in terms of like grief and loss, as, but it's, yeah. it's different. Yeah. Um, so you talked earlier about getting yourself ready for the gym, but getting yourself ready for those kind of roles must be pretty challenging. It was funny because it was and wasn't. So what I find really interesting is I'm, I'm a big anime fan. Uh-huh. And um, uh, a lot of... Um, Someone once said this when they were talking about anime. They was like, you know how like there's a lot of stuff that comes out of Asia and anime that's post-apocalyptic. And um, I was like, yeah, like Kira, like loads of stuff. And they were like, well, I mean, they did get an atomic bomb dropped on them and survived. So, you know, it does, events in history does affect the literature, the art that comes out. Mm-hmm. And those two films were both written in lockdown. So it was quite interesting where the director was going. And it was quite interesting where, it was easy to sync where he was going because I was going through stuff and, and mm. had stuff. So bringing that, all of the emotions were there because we were on lockdown. So like you could just say one thing in lockdown and anyone's just like close to a breakdown where they're just like, ah, you're telling me for another year. Like, it's just, I can't. So yeah, all of that energy was there and I just had to direct it. Um, and it was easier to direct than I thought Stargazer. For example, um, we follow Eden and Eden has, in the beginning, Eden has been for a lot. He's grown up with his little brother. His little brother's gone off to space. He's so proud of him. His parents get ill. His parents get ill and he's reaching out to his brother in space and he's like, come back. Parents are ill. Nothing's happening. Parents are now dying. Bro, you need to come back because we need to bury them. We need to say goodbye. Nothing. Parents die. He's like, right, I don't have a brother anymore. And then... You know, 15 years after his brother's left and that's all happened, he gets a spaceship outside his door and the woman walks off and the little kid walks off and they say, I'm your brother's wife and mm-hmm. this is his son and um, he's dead. And yeah. in his will, he's asked for you to spread these ashes on this planet. And that's where the movie starts. Yeah. So that's like the prelude. And it was, I was talking, it's funny, I talk, we did a screening and I brought my sister and I was so happy to bring my sister in. She said she got really emotional because of the sibling dynamic. And I think that's where I tried to pull the emotion more in than anything, because it was that thing of going, my character Eden is quite stoic in it because he's yeah. stuck. He's so stuck emotionally. He's stuck. I think of it um, when I bring um, anything to it, I always, I'm very much aware of who I am. So I'm a black male. So on screen, you're going to see a black male. And I know that, with black males, our emotions are stuck. We've got lots of pressure of being hyper-masculine, hyper-strong, hyper have to show all of those things, hyper have to, there's no weakness. We can't show weakness anymore. That's not allowed. So having that in his character and then having this whole thing of going, this woman, I don't know you. And every single time you keep bringing up my brother, I, d- I don't know you and I'm, I'm mourning and I don't even know if I like him right now. And I'm also still stuck on the fact that my mum and dad's dead. And now I'm going into space to do this for my brother, who I did love at one point more than anything. And then something that I thought happened made me hate him and erase him from my life. Then to turn out to realize that he's dead and he's been trying to get back and it's a whole thing. There's a lot going on. Like, I don't know what to do. So it was was quite, um, I think the hardest part emotionally was 
I kept on doing things, and I'd usually do it whenever I've got a, a role like that. As soon as the camera's go off, as soon as they yell cut, I'll crack a joke or do something mm. because it was so hard. Once I'm in that space, staying in that space for a long time is hard to get out of that space. And as you can imagine, we filmed that during lockdown. So there was COVID restrictions, which was interesting. So in the film, uh, there's a headphones that I pass to my ne nephew. Yeah. They changed the angle because they had to pause it and give them new headphones because we couldn't be touching the same things. Um, I was there for the whole week in Bournemouth when we filmed it. Um, and our rooms were very much away from each other in the hotel. Mm -hmm. So not even off script. The only time I got to socialize with the cast or anyone was in the green room when they did turn around. Every other time, I didn't really get to speak to anyone. So the isolating was already there. The solidarity was already there. So it was kind of easier to put that on screen. And like some of the tears and the emotions and crying, um, they were easy because they were like on the surface. Yeah. Uh, the, the last crying was an interesting one because the last crying, everyone's, I think there's a scene before that where I cry and everyone's like, oh, it's really emotional. It looks like it's coming out. And then the last one, it doesn't look like I'm crying a lot. And I did a take where I was tearing up and snotty. And he's like, ah, ah. and it, I don't think, and I think the director felt the same way when they edited it. It didn't work as well as me trying to hold back the tears mm -hmm. because more than anything, even though I want to break down, there's still that mentality up there. And it's still, these people I'm not comfortable. I don't know these people. Yeah. So as much as my brother and everything that's happening, I can't just have a complete cathartic moment because I don't know these people and I don't know where I am kind of thing. So he yeah. kind of lets it out, but then tries to reel it in, but then lets it out. So there's a fight between his face and his tears. Um, and yeah, I just, I, when I watch it back, I, I, I relate more to that because I feel like that's that's how I would be. when I, if, if I've ever been in that just short place of a breakdown, it's like, and then immediately, as soon as someone touches me, I'm like, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm okay. Yeah. And it's like, you're not. Like, yeah, it goes back like, to what you were saying about being a, a black male, that sort of, it's in your head that I need to, actually, I need to stop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I try to I try to be conscious of that and bring that to the characters because I've, as we were talking before, um, about the round table, I, I love watching Hollywood Report yeah. round table. I love it. It's so rich with so much uh, mm. the stuff that we're talking about and um one of the things that people always end up saying is an honest performance and i think honesty does come from um if someone sees that it needs to be honest an example and it's a joke that i always use but like i'm one of the rare people who didn't want idris elba to be 007 and i'll say why is because i was in secret cinema and i did casino royale for six months in casino royale there is a scene where James Bond follows a guy who's suspicious from the street that they just had a knife fight into the airport. He manages to go through the airport and into the back and stop the guy. Any ethnic person at an airport would never be able to sneak through. It just doesn't work. And it's and as much as it sounds like a joke, but it's that honesty of yeah. if you did watch it, you'll just be like, mm. I, 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 I just don't see that. I don't think it's real. I, I don't see I can't buy it. I can't buy it that he snuck through this crowded, highly secured area at an airport without one person going, hi, do you have a passport? Do you have a baggage? Blah, blah, blah. He sticks out like a sore thumb. He does. He does. He does. Yeah. And especially in England, he does. He's not the majority. If yeah. this was Africa or Jamaica, and that's where he was 007 of those regions in a black country, makes complete sense. Of course you could get away with it. Of course. But where you are not the majority in England, yeah, you stick really out like a sore thumb. Yeah, so it's that honesty that yeah. I I try and bring. So it's when someone says to me, "Oh, you're going to be a policeman," I'm like, "Right, you haven't told me my point of view. I'm a black man and I'm a policeman. What time of year is this? Is this the '60s? Has there been a lot of riots? What is the black social aspect happening right now? Because I I need to bring that into my character. Yeah. So someone immediately watches that and goes, "I know where this. I know this guy. I know this guy. This guy makes sense." Yeah. Whereas if I was something else, completely ignoring that, they'll just be like. Something about this doesn't feel rooted in realness. It feels too flat characters. It feels like you got told you were happy father. That's it. And yeah. and that's all you have to do. So every sentence has to be, well, I'm a happy dad. It's like this. <laughs> yeah. There's got to be 4D to it. So, yeah. yeah. And that is just about where Michael cut off, I'm afraid. And I couldn't get him back. So thanks again, Michael. It was really interesting to you up to that point. I just want to shout out a couple of things that he was watching because that's 
where we're going to go to next. So he, he's been watching things like Wakanda Forever. He's watched that a few times. Ant-Man, Quantumania, which we talked about earlier. Don't Say a Word, which has Michael Douglas in it, but not him. <laughs> um, and then he's watching things like Glass Onion and Split. Maybe he was going to watch Knock at the Cabin. Who knows? But thanks, Michael. If you want to watch what we were talking about, Stargazer, if you search for that on YouTube, you should find it. Um, maybe put Stargazer, Michael Douglas, or the director, Arvind J, and you'll find it. But thanks again, and back to the show. So, we do a top five. This month, we're doing top five Best Picture nominees of 2023. So there's 10 films nominated. Those films are Top Gun Maverick, Women Talking, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Banshees of Inner Sharon, Triangle of Sadness, The Fablemans, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, Elvis, and Tar. And we're going to pick a top five of those 10 that we think are the best five. Well, there's an easy job here. Yeah. Ones we haven't watched. Unfortunately, yeah. it's not on them. It's yeah. just we haven't watched them. Women Talking. Yeah. And you, have you seen Triangle of Sadness? No. Get rid. It is on Prime to rent now. Uh, I'm going to try and watch them all before the Oscars. I think the only one that won't be possible is Women Talking. Yeah. That's it, I think. Yeah. You've seen All Quiet and I've seen The Fablemans. Yeah. And then we've both seen all the others, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think so. Cool. Okay. So how many is left? Eight. Okay. So we need to get rid of three. Maybe is that our first job? Mm, yeah. Or only the top? I think get rid of three. Okay. So I have an argument for three I'd get rid of. And they're the three that I gave three star or less to. Go on then. But you, if you disagree, please do say. Bring it on. Uh, Avatar The Way of Water, Elvis and Tar. I'm going to I'm gonna argue the case because I read an interesting thing today about it. Okay, about what? Avatar. Okay. Because if we're talking about best picture and we're talking yep. about uh, cinema. Yes. Then Avatar needs to be in the conversation mm-hmm. because it's made over $2 billion at the box office. It has. And cinema is on its arse. It is. And what's... If a film's managed to get that much then it needs to be in the conversation about the best True. film of the year. By that, with that argument, though, Top Gun Maverick, I don't know if you've seen the clip of Steven Spielberg thanking Tom Cruise. Have you seen yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Basically saying, you've you've saved cinema. So in a similar vein, Top Gun Maverick got everyone back to the cinema. I can't quite believe it didn't make anywhere near as much as Avatar The Way Awards did. 3D glasses. Yeah. Oh. But they did. I completely get what you're saying. It is pure cinema. I was surprised it nominated for the Oscar, but I'm kind of glad it was. Mm -hmm. Because, like you said, it it was such a pivotal moment in cinema last year. And it feels like the Oscars have made quite a positive change this year. Um, I would swap it out for All Quiet on the Western Front. Okay. Well, as I haven't seen that, I'd be happy for that. So let's get rid of All Quiet on the Western Front. Okay. Let's get rid of Tar, because it was a bit dry. Yeah. And let's get rid of Elvis. Yeah. Even though I think Austin Butler was brilliant. Yeah. And people, it was on on the plane, right? And lots of people watched it Mm. and everyone's buzzing about it. So it's a really good film. Well, a lot of it takes place in Vegas. It does. So I guess it's a good one to watch. But I've got the uh, black leather comeback special. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) Pants that say Elvis on them. And then no, that's better than the film. Better than the film. Uh, no, but the comeback special, and I just because that's what I thought when I was watching Elvis. I thought I'd just much rather watch Elvis perform uh-huh. his concerts. Okay, so that leaves us with five, which is Top Gun Maverick, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Banshees of Inner Sharon, Fablemans, and Avatar The Way of Water. That's top five. Oh, we need to get rid of one more. No, no, that's five. Now, hear me out. Top Gun Maverick should be number one. Okay. We had it as our favourite film with Focus yeah. last year. Although I don't think it'll win the Oscar, no, I'd love it if it did. But do we want to judge this on what we think should win? Yeah, it's our, it's our, it's our opinion. Yeah, because my opinion of like best film is different to best picture, which I guess is a problem with the format of the Oscars. What's the difference? In my opinion, best film that we did last year is like my personal 
favourite film that I loved. Whereas with Best Picture, it feels like it should relate to the whole of cinema and everyone and what it's doing from a... <clears throat> I don't know, from a... I really don't know what I mean, but like Top Gun is like changing for cinema, whereas Banshees in a Sharon, for example, I can go, well, the performances are outstanding. The things that are getting judged that night at the Oscars, the other things, the performance, uh, the cinematography, uh, the the um, sound, the costume, those things that are getting judged are better elsewhere. Whereas with Top Gun, some of the things I loved about it were the adrenaline, the pace of it, the the soundtrack, um, the nostalgia, things that aren't going to win it awards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. So I'd agree. I'd just chuck it on first place. You'd put it first? Yeah, it, like we said, it's the same argument. It brought everyone back to cinema. Yeah. It was, it felt like a moment. It felt like a bit of a yeah. cultural moment, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I just remember everyone like, have you seen Top Gun yet? Have you gone to see Top Gun yet? Everyone was talking about it no matter what yeah. age. Yeah. Even my grandparents were like, oh, I think we're going to see the new Top Gun. They never go to cinema. So it was massive. It won't win, but I'd love it if it did. It'd be so good. Yeah. So what's then second, third, fourth and fifth? Yeah. Have you got a thing for f- where you want the Fablemans to go? Not yet. Uh, I preferred it to Avatar. We could stick Avatar fifth. Yeah. That would be fifth. my preference. Yeah, that's fine. I just think it needs needs a place at the table, Alice, I reckon. Sure. Just for a bit of recognition. I think that's fair. Okay, so that leaves with Banshees, Everything Everywhere and The Fablemans. I preferred both Everything Everywhere at Once and Banshees to The Fablemans. Chuck Fablemans in fourth. I haven't seen it. So then that leaves us with Banshees and Everything Everywhere. Now, we have differing favourites. Yeah, we do. Two. We do. And I think it will be one of these that wins Best Picture. I think so. I think it's going to... Everywhere, everything everywhere has got a bit of a um, momentum to it at the minute. It has, but it's also had a bit of backlash. Have you seen this? Oh, really? People saying it's such a genre movie, it shouldn't win Best Picture. The fact that it's nominated is a joke, even though there was such a love for it when it came out. Like, this has to be nominated for everything. With it being a genre picture? But it's that the Oscar snobbery in the past is that no joke, like, horrors never get nominated. And yeah. Comedies and well, then it should then yeah because exactly something needs to break it yeah. So is that you saying every other should be second? Not necessarily. For me, it was just a bit mad. I know that's the point, mm. but it was overwhelming for me. Yeah, and I wanted it to end. <laughs> um, Let me say this: you can say what you like. Even though I prefer everything everywhere, when watching the Oscars, I think I will be more elated. If they call out the Banshees of Inner Sharon. Yeah. I think I'd be like, to see that that group of cast and crew get up on stage would excite me more and mean more as like a massive Martin McDonough fan than seeing the cast of Everything Everywhere up on stage. And they've won a lot already. Kiwi Kwan's definitely going to win supporting actor. Yeah. Michelle Yeoh is probably going to win lead actress. Yeah. So... It would be nice in the history books to see Banshees of Inner Sharon as best picture, wouldn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Even though I feel like everything everywhere is a bit more of a cultural, had more cultural impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's a bit of a toss-up, really. I, but I think, I think I've think i kind of convinced myself that I'd actually like to put Banshees in second, if you're happy to do that. Yeah, I love it. One of my films of the year. That was bloody easy, mate. That was. So fifth place, Avatar The Way of Water. Fourth, The Fablemans. Third... Everything Everywhere All at Once. Second, The Banshees of Inner Sharon. And first, Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy with that. Me too. Nice one. Me too. Congratulations, everyone. <laughs> on. What was that? On. On. On what? Oh, on um, a great job on creating a top five for the yes, Oscars. Everyone being. Me and. Uh, <laughs> me and me. you. We could pretend there's producers in the room. We could, yeah. Producers. Well done, guys. Really good job. Don't. Go. <laughs> Is that you pretending to be a producer? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that's Producers John. Producers talk like that, right? Yeah, he's a bloody idiot. Focus film, then. Go. Let's talk about what's been going on at Focus film this month. On the DVDs once, back in the day, I think it was to do with... Um, yes, I know what you're going to say. There was a guy and he goes, thank you. Yeah. 
I don't By purchasing this DVD, yeah. you have helped something or other. Thank you. <laughs> and then there's a... Yeah. Bam, 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 Yeah. You wouldn't steal a handbag. Did you ever steal a anything? No. My friend's dad once walked out of the co-op with a Nintendo Wii, drove home... And then realised, oh shit, I didn't pay for that. <laughs> so I had to turn around and take it back and say, I haven't paid for this. I, on a drunk night out once, I stole a traffic cone, classic, classic student behaviour. Uni lad. Got it home. I thought, what the hell am I doing with this? I've got no use for it. It's mm. in my kitchen now. And I went and took it back. My brother's house at uni had a collection of things. You know the light up yellow and white things that are in the middle of yeah. partings in the road? One of them. How do you get your hands on one of them? A trolley in the bath. This is it. What are you doing with it? Yeah. What are you going to do with it? <laughs> Take it back. Yeah. Luckily, I realised when I was still drunk. Mm. Wait. I didn't wake up with it. So you took it back that night? I took it. I got it in the kitchen. I was like, what the hell am I doing with this comb? Took it back. <laughs> How far away was it from? Only like half a kilometre away. Not like long. That's fine. But nice guy, right? Mm. <laughs> Good lad. Cheers, mate. Mm. Anyway, website. Sorry, keep digressing. Well, it's fine. We haven't actually done that much this month. It's been slow. Yeah, we've been busy. But I'm back on it, March. Are you? What's the plan in March then? Come on. March. The plan is we've got reviews coming. Yeah. Uh, those reviews are going to be of... 65, Murder Mystery 2, oh. Scream 6, Creed yes. 3, Shazam Fury of the Gods, and Dungeons and Dragons Honour Among Thieves. That's going to be good. It's going to be great. There's also a top five, obviously, coming. And fingers crossed, this month will bring the first ever Focus Film Newsletter. Focus Film Newsletter, That's very exciting. Host, which will include a feature... By Ollie Law about the cat in the hat, which I'm excited to read, let alone you guys, you should be, uh, in a brand new feature, which you'll hear more about then. Uh, I am working on something about animated films. Yeah. Because I'm such a fan of animated films. We'll have news stories in there, maybe maybe just one or two. Yeah. And other things... It's going to be exciting. It's going to so be good. If you need to subscribe because mm-hmm. it's going to be exclusive content. They'll end up on the website. But, uh, yeah, this can be worth a read. Yeah. So, if you're interested, subscribe to Focus Film. Um, and we haven't released the Oscar podcast yet, have we? No, but it's coming. So, the Oscars are on the 12th. Yeah. So, in between now and the 12th, the Oscar podcast will be out. So, it's going to be a bumper focus month. Yeah, there's loads of them. We've got the, um, the spoiler special, the Focus Film Club. Yeah, which we're talking about Planet of the Apes, the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes, yeah. and 65. I'm so glad I picked that, you know. Yeah, it's a good choice. Are we still going to try and watch it together? If we yeah, can? I did. it's a bit late now, but I was going to suggest doing it today. But oh, yeah. Yes, we need to. Yeah. Uh, what else? There's something else. Oh, I do these things where I catch up with a legend, where I basically... I pick, up an, I pick an actor... And then watch five films that I've never seen starring that actor. So last month, if you go to the website, he did Brendan Fraser. I did. This month, Keanu Reeves. I'll be watching John Wick, Chapter 3, Constantine, Bill and Ted Face the Music, My Own Private Idaho, and John Wick, Chapter 4, when it's out at the cinema. So that's going to be fun. How are we going to end this then? Well, uh... I'll tell you a joke. Come on. You want a joke? I don't know if it'll work in it. I'll try my best. It's a visual joke, so it's not going to work on the podcast, but your reaction will make it fun. Okay. Um, A giraffe walks into a bar and says, Have you got a pub garden? (laughs) No. No, 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 no. (laughs) A bear walks into a bar and he says, I'll have... <clears throat> a pint of lager and a bag of pork scratchings pork, pork, <laughs> pork scratchings pork scratchings and the bartender says 
Why the long pause? And Bess says, I was born with them. Oh, fucking hell. Mm-hmm. Tune in next week. <laughs> Month. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> listening please do hit that like or subscribe button thanks to today's guest michael d douglas you can follow us at at focus film and read new reviews on focusfilm.online okay.